Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Do you have a proper and scripturally based understanding of the law of Moses? Many people do not. And the reason for that is they think that the spirit leads one way and the law leads another. That these two things, the spirit and the law, are in conflict with one another. But what does Paul say, for example, in the book of Romans and chapter 8 and verse 4? He says, those who walk in the spirit, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, these are the ones that fulfilled the righteousness of the law. We're going to find in our study today that when one walks in the Spirit, he will fulfill the righteousness of the law. But what's the problem? Until one is born again, let me say it another way, until one receives the gospel, that person is in the flesh, and the scripture says, when you're in the flesh, you're not going to fulfill the righteousness of the law, but you are going to fulfill sin, sinful desires, and therefore you will be heading for judgment. What we learned last week is this, that our Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, he came into this world in order that he would die. Why die? Because the punishment of the law is death. He died in our place so that we could receive his spirit. Remember what John says? Messiah promises is this. He says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I will give you another, that when I'm gone, you won't be alone, but the spirit, my spirit, he will lead you. How? Into all righteousness. He's the spirit of truth. He leads us to live righteously. And the evidence of that is one fulfilling the righteousness of the law. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Romans and chapter 7. The book of Romans and chapter 7. Now, we began this chapter last week and we finished with verse 6. I want to go back to verse 6 because we find there something very significant that lays the foundation for what Paul's going to teach us today as we continue on. So notice what he says, verse 6, Romans chapter 7, we read, But now, and here's a good word, but now there's a change. What brought about that change? Faith. Being one who received the grace of God. He says, but now, and there's that word, being released. It is a word of change. And notice it's in the past, which means being released is not something that we did in and of ourselves, but something brought that about. It was the work of Messiah and our receiving that that caused this change. Look again, verse 6. But now being released from the law. 
What aspect of the law? Everything having to do with the law, the law is no longer good. It's no longer truth. It's no longer relevant for a person. Well, this is not what he's saying. If you look at the context of what we spoke about last week, remember, he spoke about a woman, a woman being called an adulteress. Adultery brings about punishment. But because that husband died, she is released from that punishment. Now, the law of marriage is still intact. If she goes and marries another man, the fact that her first husband is dead, no longer is she called an adulteress, but she is released from marriage? No. She's released from the punishment that would be placed upon her from the law because of adultery. She's no longer an adulteress because her husband died. And because Messiah died, we're no longer under the punishment of the law. But we're going to see that the law still has relevance, and don't take my word for it. Notice what's going to be said in a few minutes. But once more, verse 6, this very significant verse, he says, but now, the implication is as believers, believers in Messiah, but now having been released from the law, and it says having died to, to him who bound us, what's that? The law, having been released from that which bound us so that, and here's the key, now, in this new condition, we can serve, how? In the newness of the Spirit. There's the key. We serve God in the newness, the newness, and that word new is a kingdom word. We have a new covenant relationship with God. That covenant, called the new covenant, is a kingdom covenant. It brings about a kingdom future for us and a kingdom reality now as we belong to that kingdom, and we live according to the truth of that kingdom, the righteousness of that kingdom. So he says that we should serve God, how? In the newness of the Spirit, and not just according to the letter. Now, what does that mean? Well, a great example of this is what Yeshua taught on the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, you know, it's not just someone who actually literally murders someone, who is guilty of transgressing the commandment. But if you have hatred, if you have, have feelings that, that causes you to have total contempt for someone, he says, you are, are a murderer because the intent was just not the act, but also the thoughts. And since we're talking about adultery, same thing. He says, it's not just one that actually commits adultery, but if you have lust in your heart for a woman, you've already committed inwardly adultery. And therefore, we see how through faith, it's just not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. That is the intent of the law. Now, notice what he says as we move on to this next verse, verse 7. He says, therefore, what shall we say? This is a statement that says, based upon what we have just learned, what should be the conclusion? How should we speak? How should we think? Verse 7. Therefore, what shall we say? The law is sin? Is that the right understanding? The law is sinful? 
And now as a New Testament believer, we want to get rid of anything having to do with the law. Is that the intent? Well, he says, is the law sin? And he uses the strongest negative statement that you can make in Greek. He says, never let it be. Some Bibles will translate it, God forbid. But literally, never let it be. But rather, he says, I would have not known sin except for the law. Now, we are born with a conscience. That conscience can speak to us. We can understand to a certain degree truth because of the conscience. But it's superior that we have God's written word. And he's referring to the law teaches us what is sin. What is breaking the rules of God? Because he gave us just that, his rules. So he says, I would not have known with, with certainty what sin is except by through the law. For the covetousness. So that particular sin, he says, covetousness, I would not have known. Now there's an interesting change because he changes the word for knowing. He goes from the word ginosko, which is the typical word for knowing something, to the word oida, which is a stronger word. And here it's not in the normal tense, which is the perfect for this word, but it's in the pluperfect. And the purpose of the pluperfect tense is to show something very distant, something very remote. So he says, I would have been very far away, left to myself, to knowing what is coveting, why that is so bad. In the natural state, I'm far from this understanding. Look again. He says, I would not have known covetousness except for the law saying, thou shall not covet. So we see something that's good about the law. It teaches us truth. It teaches us what is right and what is wrong. But this is a, a co consequence or a conclusion that some make that they ought not. And this is what he's going to speak of in the next verse. Look now to verse, verse 8. He says, but, and here's the problem, this false conclusion that people have. But sin, taking opportunity, the problem is sin, not with the law, but sin in general and a sinful way of thinking. It says, sin, taking opportunity through the commandment. So the commandment is good. It comes from God. The scripture says everything that's good and perfect comes down from heaven. So the commandment, it teaches us what's right and what's wrong. But what happens? Sin, utilizing, taking the opportunity through the commandment, did something. It produced in me all types of coveting, meaning this. Once I heard, thou shall not covet. I, because of my sinful nature, because of the state of being tainted and corrupted with original sin, my nature, sinful nature is this. When God says, don't do something, I want to do it. Let me give you a funny little story. There is this, this place where there's an office building. And this office building is made of all glass, all windows. 
it's been there for quite some time. And kids would pass it as they went to school and returned from school, they would pass by it again. Nothing happened. Well, that office building was sold, there was a new owner, and he put up a sign. Children, please do not throw rocks at the building. Well, no one had ever thrown a rock at that building, but no sooner did he put up that sign, children, don't throw rocks at the building. What do you think kids began to do? They saw that. They had that, that instinctive nature to transgress, to rebel. They don't like to be told what not to do. And therefore, little by little, people began to throw rocks, just not kids, but older teenagers and such, at that building. Now, that's just a silly example of how, when we're told not to, we want to do just the opposite. We have that rebellious, that defiant character within us. And the commandment, which is good, we'll see this undeniably in a few minutes, Paul's going to tell us. Sin utilizes that which is good to arouse in us our, our passions, which are by nature against the truth of God. Therefore, that's why he says, look again at verse 8, but sin, that's the problem, sin within us. Sin took the occasion through the commandment to produce in me, Paul makes it very personal, all types of, of coveting. He says, keep reading the last part of verse 8, for without the law, sin is dead, meaning this. It's still sin within me. But sin is not going to rule until that, that commandment comes. Why? Because sin is by nature in defiance, in rebellious. So before there's something stated that we can rebel against, sin is going to appear to be dormant. But we're going to behave sinful. We saw that earlier in the book of, of Romans. So we read, move on to verse, verse 9. He says, but I lived, I was alive without the law once. And then he says, but the commandment coming, what happened? That commandment that thou shall and thou, thou shall not came into effect. And what did he say? He says, and the sin came alive, meaning this, that desire, that sinful desire. Now, when people, when they don't have any law, any standards of morality and such, in a society, people couldn't just do what they want. They don't have a rebelliousness. They just do what they feel like. They're not rebelling because there's nothing stated to rebel against. They're still behaving sinful, but they don't know sin is what they're following. Sin is whom they're serving. They are unbeknownst to them this, this condition. Now, why is it important that we know that? Because when the word of God reveals I'm sinful, and the consequence of sin is death. Therefore, that will cause the individual to say, I, I don't want to die. I don't want the consequences of sin. Now, through the commandment, I understand I'm sinful, that I have that rebellious nature within me, and I want to be delivered. So that which aroused in me this sinful nature, it was good that it did so. Why? So I needed to know that this had to be dealt with. 
It gave me the impetus to seek a different way, a way of forgiveness, and that makes the gospel relevant for individuals. So look again, verse, verse 8. He says here, But sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all types of, of covetousness. For without the law, sin is dead. I used to live once without the law, but, this is in verse 9, but the commandment came, and sin gained life, meaning it manifested itself. And what was the outcome? And I died. He's saying here, because of that, it brought about death to me. Verse 10. Now, verse 10 is when he begins to summarize what we need to realize about this passage of Scripture. What he wants us to know concerning the law and the purposes of God. So look at verse 10. He says, and, and it's in the third person singular, which is, and the commandment. Now, some will say, I found, later on in the text, they changed the word order, but I found is not the proper way to translate this. It says literally, the commandment was found in me. And it says, this commandment that now was given. It was found in me, meaning it was given to me. It was present. For what purpose? For life. But this same commandment, what was the outcome? It brought about death, meaning it manifested sin, and that sin being manifested shows that spiritually I was dead. Spiritually, I was going to be, to be heading for God's judgment. All of this is good. Why? Because it shows us our need for forgiveness. It, it teaches us that we need to seek a Savior or a Redeemer, that we need to utilize what Avraham did, and that was faith, not to walk in the flesh, but to walk according to faith, the faith that's found and expressed in the word of God. Now look to verse, verse 11. For sin, once more, sin, taking occasion through the commandment, it says, deceive me. And through it, what happened? Death. Through it, it killed, meaning this. The commandment, it showed me my sinfulness. And because of that, it showed me that I was heading for death. That commandment proclaims the judgment of God upon me because I'm a transgressor. So he says, the commandment now, that which was, was good, it became a source of death because it pointed out my sinfulness. So that, keep reading, so that the law, and notice what he says now in, in verse 12, so that the law, it is good. Literally, it says, so that the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous. Some will say just same word in the Greek language. So the law is holy, meaning it has a purpose. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Now, this is a strong and significant statement. He's saying, don't think that these things are, are not proper. 
are against the faith. No, these things, and he's speaking about the law and each individual commandment within the law, all of this is what? He says it's holy, it is righteous, and he tells us without any other other words here that these things are good, meaning this. It's in accordance with the will of God. Now, here's the problem. If you apply the law to your life as an unbeliever, what's the outcome? Death. It manifests your rebelliousness, and it will lead you into transgression. It just manifests that transgression that's always there. You didn't know it, but it was there. But when you understand the purpose of the law, why it's holy, why it's righteous, why it's good, you're going to seek forgiveness through a redeemer, a savior. And that's what Paul's going to be talking about in the next section of chapter 7. But look again at this verse, verse 12. So that, this is a term of conclusion. He says, so that the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Verse 13. Therefore, is it right, this is what he wants us to think, is it right for us to con con conclude that that which is good has become death? Is that, that the purpose? What does he say once more in those strong terms? Let it never be said, me giento. But the sin, what did sin do? Sin was in my life. And the purpose of the law, the purpose of the commandment is to do something. He says, in order that that sin should be manifested through that which is good. Here again, don't think that the commandment is not good. Don't think that the law, the Torah, is not good. It's holy, it's righteous, and it's good. So he says, look at verse 13. Therefore, that which was good to me, it became death. No, not at all. But sin, in order that sin should be manifested by that which is good unto me, did something. It produced death. Why did it produce death? Well, it simply manifested. It showed, it produced the death that was working within me. In order that, this was the purpose behind it, in order that, that, that the sin could be shown for what it truly is, which is excessively sinful. Now, what he concludes with in this last verse is so significant. He says that the law was given, why? In order that sin, where does that sin dwell? In me. And he says, I use the law, the commandments, in order that you can see that sin is excessively sinful. It is something that, that is an absolute necessity to deal with. And if we don't know its presence, we don't know its power, how sinful, how ugly it truly is. We won't deal with it properly. How do we deal with it properly? We can. It is simply that we receive by faith the gospel. We focus in and invite into our life the one who died in our behalf. He dealt with sin, not us. We are simply the recipients of it by faith. It is a free gift. And remember... That is how Paul concluded the previous chapter, chapter 6. 
saying, but the free gift of God is eternal life, coming through faith in Messiah Yeshua. One more verse, and we'll conclude. Look, if you would, to verse 14. Now, again, he is summarizing this section. And what he says here has significant implications. Verse 14, for we know, who's we? True believers. People who understand the word of God. Verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual. Now, I would make a note of that. Paul is teaching, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is the word of God. He says here, for we know that the law is spiritual, which means this, it is of God. There is nothing problematic with the law. He's already told us. It is holy, it is righteous, and it is good. So what's the problem? The problem is you and me. The law is the truth of God. The law sets forth the righteous standards of God. There's nothing problematic with the law. The problem is us. And this is what he says. Look at the second part of verse 14. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but, here's the problem, but I am fleshly. When you put the law into flesh, human flesh, it brings about death. And that death is a consequence of God's judgment. Now, we're speaking about death, not just the physical death, but we're speaking about eternal death, God's punishment. And what happens is this. You have a choice, very simple one to understand. You can either choose death of yourself, meaning eternal death, being eternally separated from God, being in torment, being in great sorrow forever and ever and ever. Or you don't have to experience that. God doesn't want you to experience that. How do I know that? He sent his son into the world to die. He died in your place. He went into to Sheol, but Sheol was not able to contain him. He rose from the dead. And the fact that he rose from the dead signifies victory that he shares with us. So he says, for I, literally, but I am fleshly and, and sold over or sold under sin. That's the problem. That we have been, been a person having been sold over to sin. When? That's our nature. But there can be a great change, a great transformation because of faith. We don't have to be one that has sin ruling over us. What's the message here? Why does he say that, that we have been sold over to, to sin? Well, this tells us of what we need. What's the solution? Redemption. I've shared with you many times that redemption is an accounting term. Redemption, redemption is a purchase. Does not Paul says you've been redeemed with a price? And now you're no longer yourselves, but you belong to God. So the solution for being in sin, being, being sold over to the authority of sin, there's one solution, redemption. The redemption that comes with one price, and that price is the blood of Messiah. That gives us victory, and victory 
is walking in obedience to the truth of God. Well, I'll close with that until next time. Shalom. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. <music>